0: Well, can you believe it? It's episode number 91 of the Red River Horror Podcast, and this week's episode features a very special guest. We have Shane Cashman, host of the popular paranormal podcast, Tales from the Inverted World. Shane's going to discuss with us his book that was released in March, Tales from the Inverted World Ghosts of the Civil War. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy episode number 91 of the Red River Horror Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. It's episode number 91. I'm your host, Joe Zekreski, joined by always Eddie Callazzo, RedRiverHorror.com founder. Ed, how are you today?
1: Joe, I'm living the dream every day. Really? Every day you see me, I'm living the dream.
0: I only manage to do it one day at a time. Too much of that <laughs> and I fall apart. Anyway, <laughs> we got a special guest with us today, by <laughs> Shane Cashman. Shane, how are you? host of the popular paranormal podcast, The in- Tales from the Inverted World it has got a book that just came out, "Tales from the Other World: Ghosts of the Civil War." Welcome to the show, Shane. Thanks you so much for being here.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I'm stoked, man. Yeah
1: so first shane i actually wanted to i'm going to jump in here joe you go right ahead because i know a topic that comes up a lot Mm. uh so we'll get we'll eventually get to this road of civil war and treasure and a lot of different things but i gotta ask first about ufos (laughs) if that's all right is that all right where we start
2: of course of course it wasn't um it wasn't on my radar at all with this book i did not even know it was going to be a book at first but um Yeah. So for my first book, for the inverted world series, I did spend some time talking to a gentleman who had, he's claimed to be abducted his entire life from the age of nine being carried out of his bedroom window in Peekskill, New York, out the window, floating over the Hudson river. And, you know, this guy just, we'll get to George in a second, but this is like my primer of, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical of all this stuff, but this guy was a very normal fella. We had a great conversation for a few hours about nothing related to ufos and he just segued into his abductions and the scars on his head from the quote-unquote abductions and all this stuff and then he introduced me to an entire community of people he basically belongs to like an aa in new york but for abductees and you know he, he he claims to be able to uh you know real quick he can quickly decide who's just uh who's lying basically you know he says he meets him all the time i forget the word he had for for these people these kind of fakes these phonies that would walk into his meetings but yeah so you know i talked to him very seriously for a long time about his interactions with ufos and according to him extraterrestrials of all types and sizes in all different dimensions. And uh, it it stopped for him uh, about maybe 10 or 15 years ago. I think he's sad, but anyway, that was like a a bigger story from the first book. Uh, And I was looking to just do something different for book two. Uh, And then I go down to this town, Washington, Georgia. And on my third night there, no one said anything about UFOs. No one said anything about aliens. I'm thinking about the Georgia gold, the Confederate gold treasure, all that, all that stuff. Sure. There's ghosts. And uh, I'm staying at this house. That's a, it's like a, it's a farm, and it's on uh, maybe I think hundred acres, something like that. It's outside of this town, and it's it belongs to the family that basically invited me down. It the, you know, their son Clint, who is uh, about my age. I'm, I'm about to be thirty eight. He invited me down, talked about the gold, it sounded interesting. Uh, and it's his parents' property. So, yeah, third night there, I just had pizza with his parents. His father just got the phone call saying, Hey, uh, Harry, there's a possum at the firehouse. You got to come shoot it with your AR. So he's out. <laughs> I'm, I'm That's outside of Georgia. the house. Very, very Georgia. Yeah, right. You know, like, me and Clint are hanging out outside, waiting for his dad to come back, and we can hear the the shot echo through the woods. Oh man! It's nighttime. Uh, you can see the stars. It's a lot of people down there claim that this is the uh, like the clearest sky in the southeast uh, of the country, uh, and I don't know if that's true or not. But I do know that there's an astronomer village in this area, like just outside of town. There's a place called Deerlick Astronomy Village, where people have giant, amazing telescopes. Like telescopes, they're like the the monster truck of telescopes. They're just so like they obviously think that the sky is clean enough and not there's like no light pollution. So we're out there looking at the beautiful sky. His dad comes back. He's walking towards us with the AR. And his dad and Clint all of a sudden point to the sky and they're like, Oh, there it is. And I don't really know what they're talking about yet. And I look up and in the distance, oh, maybe like 190 yards away, mm-hmm. there's a bright orb that's just going up and down and left and right above the pine trees at the edge of their property. And they'd start telling me about this UFO. And I'm really not thinking much of it. I'm like, okay, it's a unidentified flying wow. object. I have no idea what it is, clearly. I'm not thinking aliens, I don't know. Yeah. But his dad kind of goes into this whole story about he's been seeing the same thing in different places in that town his whole life. And then he says his grandma had seen it, and then Clint tells me he's seen it his whole life. It's very nonchalant to them; it's totally normal. And I'm just like, okay, it's definitely weird. It's moving in a very weird way. I'm watching planes go through the sky. Uh, nothing else is moving like that. There's nothing. If you like, I pulled up Google Maps to see if there what was up there. There's nothing. I mean, it is uh, forest forever because this town is basically uh, once the um, cotton industry died. After the bull weevil took everything out, it turned into like a pine tree nursery. So it's just nothing but pine trees for many, 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 many miles. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at this thing. And then they're just telling me stories about how uh, Clint's grandparents saw the UFOs. His grandma claimed that the UFO landed in her backyard. Um, and that was in the 60s. Another friend of theirs claimed to, you know, see, uh, he saw it land in their backyard. He also claimed to have a Polaroid. That's a whole other story we'd get into later on. Uh, and so his dad just kind of goes inside. He's like, I've seen enough. He's seen it his whole life. It's, it's very boring to him at this point, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. So Clinton and I take this ATV out deeper into the woods where we, there was another clearing and we're uh, a little closer. Not that it means much, you know, but it's still doing the same pattern, up, left, down. And I'm just taking notes, like it could be, for all I know, a weather balloon. I mean, <laughs> at this point, the Chinese spy balloon had not happened yet, but now right. that's in my mind. Right, uh, right. You know, it could be a helicopter, perhaps, but it just seemed too bizarre. Uh, and then I see another thing doing the same thing, but now it's to our, I believe that was to our West. And so it was a UFO. I, you know, I don't know anything I don't know what's in it the definition I can say,
1: of a ufo an un- is, unidentified yes. flying yeah. object <laughs>
2: that is what i know it was super weird and it it moved in a very specific pattern same it sustained the up up down left right situation so you know after that i just started asking everybody i could i happened to know a meteorologist from that town who was a historian so i was initially talking to him about the gold and i'm like oh i'll hit up mark he's a guy who knows about the sky and he is a, uh, he hates anything. Horror hates anything. Sci-fi hates aliens, hates <laughs> ghosts. He hates any mythology whatsoever. Sure. And I go to him, I'm like, Mark. And he's like, you know, in the seventies, just a, a straight laced guy, a really smart guy. I'm like, what am I seeing in the sky? And he's like, I've seen it too. <laughs> and I don't know what to tell you. And he go he breaks the whole thing down. He, cause he would know, cause I asked him about the weather balloons. He goes, the only place in georgia near us that would release a weather balloon is in atlanta and it wouldn't be at that time so he's like basically he's looked into it himself he can't describe it i went to the cops maybe maybe it's a helicopter there the dea was like definitely not and if it was you would never see it
1: how far is this town that you were in um in relation to
2: atlanta two and a half hours east okay i believe it was yeah so it's pretty a good distance yeah uh and what we were seeing was definitely not t- a two and a half hour drive away because it was kind of hovering over the trees, uh, but not enough where we could like go. I wanted to like, oh, that, I forgot to tell you guys. <laughs> I was gonna say I wanted to shoot it down. I guess I could have <laughs> if I tried because because uh, the father was like, oh, we'll uh, we'll look through it through the scope on the AR. <laughs> sure, as you do in Georgia, and so we are all <laughs> aiming our the AR at it. And I'm looking at it through the scope, a beautiful scope with night vision. And it, I mean, it is just an orb going up and down and left and right. I don't know what it is, but no one. So the thing is about this town uh, and it might not be surprising. It's ultra religious area. There's okay. enough churches for people in this town. Uh, so people, a lot of people down there are a little reluctant to talk about the supernatural, the paranormal, anything odd. So but- it's not
1: like you're, you're going to come into the town And just be like, like here's what I do for a living. Here are the things that I talk about and write about, and they're just going to (laughs) be super receptive to it. (laughs) Like at least your initial thoughts.
2: At least my initial thought. And then yes, a lot. Most of them were reluctant, but they all have the story of a UFO or of a ghost. And I think like once they know. Honestly, I think it was harder for them to get past my Yankee accent. Like, <laughs> that that came up every time. Yeah. Like, oh, I was called a Yankee, and I was just like, "Yep, we'll get we'll get past that." <laughs> and now let's talk about ghosts or the gold. But uh, everyone down there, no matter how old, uh, they had seen that thing, and they couldn't describe it. They had no idea, but it was just a a very nonchalant thing, like like the ghost stories that I would encounter down there amongst these people is the same type of attitude towards whatever was happening in the sky. And I would I was going down there from October of that was 2021 to March of 2022. Huh. And every time I went down there, uh, not every night, but every trip I took, I would see those things moving. Uh, so I, I i wish I could tell you what they were. I was begging them to at least abduct me or something so I could <laughs> have some type of uh, story to tell you what I thought. Uh, but yeah, it was very strange. So, very, very. Oh
0: yeah, Shane, so like, were you able, like, was it mostly just like these orbs? Was it light or were you able to kind of figure out a distinct shape when looking at through like the night vision or it's like.
2: Through the night like, vision, it just got blurrier, yeah. but it was brighter. Uh, it was brighter, but blurrier. Uh, from what I, it didn't seem like a shape, uh, like a, like a disc. It To me, from what I could tell, it just seemed like an orb. Like it was spherical or, like, or just like a circle or maybe it was a diamond shape i have no idea honestly but it was uh super bright and it moved oddly i took some video on my phone and that's odd worse than i actually took video also through the scope of the ar interesting trying to get it (laughs) but uh you couldn't figure out anything shape-wise really wow
0: because like you know in like the whole in paranormal like when you're taking pictures or video you're looking for those orbs as a sign that's interesting you know seeing it just floating in person just
2: just chilling just chilling uh you know I don't know maybe I looked up the satellites as well especially if it was the International Space Station or or um what's another thing people confuse UFOs for a a, a Starlink maybe going up even though Starlinks are kind of like a forward motion all the way up Mm -hmm. none of those things were happening I I want to go back down there and figure that out but uh it just seems a mystery to this day and and everyone down there just doesn't seem to care it's very bizarre but they just have all given up they've been hearing stories about it for decades it's just just part of life
0: it's here what do you got to do about it
2: (laughs) all
1: right so now that brings me to the question about the gold so about a month back actually i'm gonna pull up a story real quick so a month ago there was this story of yes this is it a metal detectorist is suing the fbi claiming he alerted them to seven tons of civil war era gold they took it in secret overnight and this was this was in pennsylvania i just can't Yeah, Dennis Parada waged a legal battle to force the FBI to turn over records of its excavation in Dent Run, Pennsylvania, where local lore says an 1863 shipment of Union gold disappeared on its way to the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia. So that's about a month ago. This is in Fortune magazine. So hmm. I guess the question is, I, I know how this person found it. They were a metal detectorist, and they were out there, and it's like, oh, I think we found something. What? What how did you know that there was going to be, I guess, gold from the Confederacy, like, like treasure in Georgia. Yep.
2: Yeah. So funny enough, that story that you just talked about, that broke on my trip, my first trip down to Georgia. Did it really? So that's been going on for a little while. I think those guys, their business is called finders keepers. You're right. That's it. Yeah. So I tried talking to them, but they were in like a whole thing with like reality TV and their whole situation. So I, I was following that and I was thinking about that. If I were to find gold down there, like how am I going to f- hide it from the federal government <laughs> exactly before they swoop in? Um, so yeah, how did I find out? So Clint had reached out to me and my boss in October of 2021. And he told us that his town is known for the the lore of the Confederate gold having gone missing there. Hmm. Okay. And um, it's weird. I, I honestly knew nothing about Washington, Georgia. I grew up in West Point, New York. I'm like pretty big <laughs> civil, civil War nerd. Sure. So I, I, but it's weird to me that I had no idea about this town. Uh, you know, I knew Davis when he was on the run, had dissolved the Confederacy, but I didn't know that, that happened in this town, you know, while he was on the run, I didn't while know they were searching for him because, you know, the union believed he was behind the assassination. So, uh, So everyone believes it's in this town because there's a lot of documents saying that, but the story is right before the union were about to take over richmond right which is the capital Mm. of the confederacy davis and and then were like we're not letting them have it we're going to burn down the whole city ourselves so they're just going crazy they are burning their ships they're burning their uh tobacco factories they're dumping all the liquor into the streets because they don't want (laughs) i've heard different reports that they didn't want the union to get drunk or they didn't want their own soldiers to get drunk it's probably a mixture of both Uh, but i found this great diary by this guy uh william harwar parker who was a confederate captain uh and after he lit his ship on fire which they stole from the union uh he he was watching the debauchery and he said uh there were soldiers drinking like whiskey out of their hats like picking taking it out of the gutters and drinking it like drunken demons is what he called them it was just insanity in Richmond. i believe Uh, it yeah (laughs) uh, it sounded like a good time (laughs) right? yeah Yeah, pretty good time so There's two trains about to head out of uh, Richmond. One of them has Jefferson Davis and most of his cabinet. The other one has the gold, which would be the Confederate gold, and the treasury. So it would be paper money from the Confederacy. It would be the gold, which would be Confederate, but also uh, Mexican money, because the Mexicans donated to the Confederacy. Mm. And then jewels that were donated from different wealthy confederate families and then on that boat in charge of the gold happened to be william harwar parker which is how i came across him so he's in charge of protecting the gold he's got like a ragtag group of really young soldiers i'm put i'm saying that lightly uh they're like 16 17 18 years old and those trains depart around midnight and they meander throughout the south through the carolinas and make a bunch of stops the this is where things get sketchy uh no one counted the gold before they left richmond there were bankers traveling with him but they didn't have time so already there's a discrepancy in what was loaded in my mind at least like my my friend who i told you about the meteorologist mark he he thinks it's all down to a science he believes every document that the confederacy gave when they did eventually count it along the way they stopped at um uh the, I forget the name, the mint, I can never say it right. Delaguna, Dallanega, De, <laughs> mint down in North or South Carolina. And uh they so they did eventually count it there and they counted a few other times, but you gotta like think the soldiers are literally carrying some of this. They're some of them are like p- they're they're dropping it, picking it up. It's in crates, it's in bags. Uh it's not, not the safest way to transport this stuff. Sure. So mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on as they're traveling all this way to the south. I want to say I could be wrong it's been a while since i looked at this exact part it's probably a month or so of traveling maybe because I think Richmond burned in early April and I think they finally got to Washington Georgia in May in early May so it's I think it's about a month of them going just all over the place and they're also making payouts to certain soldiers as they go because they know that it's over they're on the run the Confederacy's dead they, they know they lost the war and the soldiers are desperate uh like seriously they're just like we need something we're leaving so all that's happening and i'm reading diary entries from davis to harwar parker there's a few other like low-level guys uh, who are part of the cabinet uh the treasurer uh to kind of like you know i'm not the first one to do all that but it's also been mapped out by many others so you can look at all that information and get a good idea of the path it took that eventually wound up in washington georgia and once it's there William Harwar Parker is just like, "I've had enough. I'm out of here." And he was just he was uh, he was over it. He was basically haunted by the gold. And in his diary, it's great hearing him talk about how he hated the gold. Yeah. He wanted to just throw it overboard., uh, but he was only doing it because he looked up to Davis and all that stuff. So and Davis even told him, "You know, you're a good soldier. We should keep you." he was he literally threw his gun down and said, "I'm out." So the gold is now on this on the banks of the Savannah River uh, at the end of the war. Davis is uh, is dissolving the Confederacy. And this is right at the edge of Washington, Georgia. uh, What would become Washington, Georgia? Uh, So Davis is hiding out in that town. He goes into like the proper town. They've got the gold transported into the town proper into a vault. Then they move it again. So again, it's moving constantly, which is crazy to keep track of. They say they're counting it. But like I get into it with Mark and it's in the book where I'm like, how can you trust these documents, especially if it's a if it's a, literal, a technical a country that's dying? You know why would you believe that they're not falsifying anything? Maybe taking some stuff for their own, because he thinks it's all accounted for, even though yeah. uh, you know what happens on the banks of the Savannah River is there's I, I believe two robberies, um, huh. well one robbery that's and one what, mutant.
1: <laughs> I, th- there had th- there's no way. I mean if, if he's so stressed about this gold
0: trying to get gold. it out through areas where infrastructure's been <laughs> yeah. destroyed so i'm sure it's not an easy just one way train ticket they probably have to get off manually oh, yeah. move everything like plus if i'm thinking about it it's very like, easy to lose if i know yeah. it's coming i'm i'm trying to steal some <laughs> so oh,
1: yeah i'm thinking they definitely lost some along though i mean I, that's just just a thought definitely
2: <laughs> that's exactly how i felt uh in in william howard parker's diary he's talking about the the journey and he he even kind of jokes about how people in towns up ahead know that they're coming before they get there, so he knows they're scouts. And he's, he's paranoid, he was driving. When they're at the banks of the Savannah, word gets out and there's a robbery. And there are really awesome articles from that time about the robbery. It's, it's just a madhouse. Um, the, the, the historians and the articles claim everything was taken back from the robbers, I don't i just don't buy it it's possible it's possible they got it all out but it happened in at night uh they they seemed to just make a cause a huge mess and uh so you know maybe they did maybe they maybe they didn't but they were robbed uh and then it was either before or after that there was a mutiny the, their own soldiers turned against them because they were so desperate so they are looking you know their story saying that the gold was so heavy the horses were sinking into the mud um, but this, this whole area is kind of like the place I was hoping to go look for where this, uh, gold was supposedly last seen, you know, a lot of it was taken back. A lot of it was accounted for. And like we said earlier with finders keepers, the federal government, uh, did come down and get their, their money that they were looking for. I think they wanted that more than Davis, honestly. Uh, so they got that, but there's all this, all this stuff that happened between Richmond and Washington, and then especially in Washington with the robbery and the mutiny and all the moving of the stuff um so then the lore kind of started in this town that there's golden town and Hmm. we don't know where it is different families uh possibly took it and another thing to remember is almost all the people I talked to in this town can trace their lineage back well before the revolution even so you know a lot of these people are are descendants of like the creek and Cherokee that are from that area Mm -hmm. also people who came over from Europe but but like in colonial times so these people can look back at diaries or uh, um, not, I was going to say photographs. D- there's like documents of like land plots once they opened it up that are signed with X's. Uh, they have that. So these stories they're, they're hearing about the gold are passed down. Now, whether or not those are good enough to believe in, I don't know. Someone like Mark hates those stories. He thinks they're just folklore and dismisses all of it. He only goes by the documents. I try to do a little bit of both because I think there is something true about these stories. Um, For instance, like there's a woman I met down there who's probably, she's in her 90s, but she met someone in her childhood who fought in the civil war. He lived to be so old and she was so young (laughs) that they crossed paths. So like there are instances like that in in this town and elsewhere in the South, I'm sure, where an actual living memory from that time Is given to someone who's alive today. So to me, I'm like, I'll listen to these stories. I'm not going to go hunt down everything they tell me, but there's something to it. And a lot of those stories, they might be in conflict with what the historians down there say. There's this weird kind of war happening between the historians and the locals about the gold, interesting, but everything. So, so then from 1865
1: maybe the historians no. don't want the locals to know I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm, saying I'm saying
2: sorry <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying it, it, and it comes up a lot it comes up a lot you know this the book basically starts with me having this really serious discussion with the historians and it ends with me having discussion with one of the locals driving around this property I'm telling you about and they hate each other they hate <laughs> each other they think they're both full of shit and all this stuff so you know I think I think both of them have things that are worth hearing uh you know and so it's like you could just spend your whole life going down running in circles that when i'm with the historians every time i would see them they're looking at the same documents for like decades and every time i see them, they they would see something new like just a word And, and they would trace that word to another word and then help them find a direction that they should then go out to the land and then move this way instead of this way uh so it's fascinating but It's not, you know, it's not all just folklore because people have claimed, they've told me to find the gold, different things, different gold, different guns from the robbery, perhaps, uh, like the historians had found. Uh, I I spoke to a realtor who, uh, she said she found gold tucked away in an old chimney in the woods. It was just a chimney. Uh, There are people who claim to find it under, um, I think it was pine, a pine post fence. Uh, You know, so other people found it there's a road called Grab All Road, and they named it that because when it rains, they claim that the gold rushes out of the ground, grab all you can. Uh, I was there when it rained. I saw no gold. I'll say <laughs> that. Uh, I definitely looked. But so, yeah, the, the gold has been – it's become a sort of economy for this entire town. When you go there, when I went there the first time, within minutes, I'm, I'm seeing old metal detectors. I mean, they're just – it's just a part of life, and they're definitely – not happy that i mean i think they're happy that there's people coming to their town and they're giving business to these businesses that are they could be doing better you know it's not doing so well especially after the last few years just multiple times of economic struggles but at the same time they don't like people coming in because they want to find the goal themselves and uh, you know i've heard stories like from people who say the town uh this is not the current mayor but a former mayor had thrown other reality shows off the track like on purpose <laughs> they'd be like oh it's definitely over there yeah. go film at that house you know i would uh <laughs> yeah oh yeah i mean it's it's no joke we were threatened once sure. uh by a guy who came by clint's house and he was like you gotta stop looking with it. you know it was a threatening tone he didn't say he's gonna kill us i don't i don't think he would have but it was just you gotta stop you know don't do that don't do this and it was super weird and then we kept thinking we saw his truck the theory is and I, I have no idea if it's true or not and he wouldn't answer it the, the gentleman i was with at the very end of the book i believe it was him uh i asked him and he kind of act like he didn't hear it and i'm driving alone with him in his truck and he's got a gun on his leg i'm not gonna press it uh, <laughs> um you know but he was he was really nice and i think like i'm saying with these other people in town they're very possessive of the gold but they're also possessive of the way the story's told so he knew i'm writing about it you know, whether or not he is the guy who was threatening us uh, that one time I don't know but he he really was adamant about the story being told correctly according to him right, right. so I'm telling the story as quickly as I can according to everybody because uh that's that's just everything starts to cancel each other out but uh yeah it's so interesting that the the town has a few things going for it there's uh there's a Bitcoin factory that has just been built there okay. Which, uh, that works. And there's, that works. They're very proud of it. And there's this hotel that becomes a pretty big character in itself in the book. And those are the two like big things in the town. Other than that, it's this constant gold economy. You know, I'm not the first person to go there to write about it. Sure. There's sure. been reality shows. There's been other people writing books. I came up into conflict with one of the reality shows, sort of, she was sort of a reality show. She claimed to be and she wasn't. That's a whole other thing. Everybody's a reality might have been, show right now. She might have been possessed by a ghost. That, that well, the verdict's still out.
1: <laughs> so so the, book, the book is called Tales from the Inverted World, Ghosts of the Civil War. It's about this specifically, um, this, this kind of hunt for the gold. But in it, you it says, you know, you roam underground tunnels following the footsteps of supposed ghosts. And it does say you come into uh Contact with someone who could possibly possess, be possessed. So I'm I'm interested to hear about that experience.
2: So that one's <laughs> yeah. also strange. So look, I don't know, I don't know if I said this or not, but when I went down there, I was expecting an article. I thought this is just an article. I thought I was going to talk about the gold. I love I I love Georgia, and I love I love Gothic like old Southern Gothic literature. So it was like a chance for me to go down there and kind of do my best like Faulkner, O'Connor, but with a paranormal twist. But okay. after literally thirty minutes. 30, probably 30 minutes to an hour at that first meeting with Mark and Clint and this lady Stephanie, who she runs the uh, historical museum, this woman shows up. Oh, and back up real quick because this is important. Yeah. I'm told I can't, t- when, when this lady pulls up in her, her truck, Stephanie tells me I can't talk about what she just told me, which was she showed me a piece of gold and she showed me a, a gun that was supposedly part of that robbery hmm. that I told you about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm being shown the gold in the gun and when this other girl pulls up in her truck the people at the historic society are saying okay we got to hide this and don't say anything about what I just told you I'm like why and they're like we can't talk about it right now she's approaching the the museum and she's just a a younger lady with black hair and she walks into the museum and she walks right back out like a minute or so later and she's kind of yelling because she says the ghosts are too loud inside of this the museum which is (laughs) just an old colonial southern house you know it's got the columns out front surrounded by giant trees uh so i'm like all right this is interesting so she claims to be uh also i'll say say that she has she told me that she has been possessed by ghosts before and that sometimes her personality has changed because certain ghosts are in her she says that she will have different um urges or language or or like taste buds to considering on who like whatever's in her head oh she could just be insane you know
1: yeah
2: i don't know uh she tells me that she can see ghosts and that they talk to her and this has been a thing throughout her whole life uh and she's been, like gone to different i don't know i don't want to say witches or medians she's gone of different professionals we'll say in that field of ghost talking and they've all told her she's got this ability and again, kind of like how I told you about writing about the uh, gentleman who was abducted by UFOs that kind of primed me for the UFO situation. Two days before I went down to Georgia, I was with a friend, she was cutting my hair. She had told me about her friend that talks to ghosts and was telling her crazy stuff that she no one knows other than my friend and it was about her dead mom. So she was really weirded out by the situation. She tells me, I'm like, that is crazy, but you know, what do I know? <laughs> But then two days later i'm with this girl in georgia she's telling me the same type of things that my friend's friend is telling her so i'm just like okay that is really a bizarre coincidence i can't prove any of this Mm -hmm. but it's interesting i'll hear your story and so when i think she's why i think she's possessed and this comes out later throughout the book she starts to kind of wig out on us uh at first she's very happy to help i tell her i don't want to be her competition um i can like i'll interview her and i will put it in my book hopefully help, you know, promote her. I'm not trying to take away from her. You know, I'll be happy if she finds the gold. Honestly, I just want the story more than anything. Obviously, yeah. if I find some gold, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to bounce to Mexico and you sure. never see me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't know that. So, but at some point she just turns and she's not nice anymore. It, I mean, it's not it's really a terrible story because some of this has been verified. She's she was I hope it was. She was in a terrible relationship and this this matters unfortunately because of what what would uh her claiming her possession mean she was in this terrible relationship very abusive he the boyfriend is another person who ended up threatening us for i was emailing her once or twice and i tried calling her um to to get a location and talk to her about some other stuff we can get into later about witches um (laughs) (laughs) this is so ridiculous every time i turned around in this town something more bizarre happened right uh so yeah, I'm at, I'm trying to get in touch with her for witches and ghosts and all this stuff. Her boyfriend doesn't like it. He leaves a, me and Clinton a message about how he's going to skin us alive hmm. like dogs. Um, be- it's a, honestly, it's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful. He's got a great accent from New Orleans. Uh, so yeah, he was not happy like dogs. And then her her so so a lot of people started saying she's possessed again because. There's a ghost in this town, everyone claims, by the name of Polly. Okay. Polly is on record as being the second woman ever hanged in Georgia. So this is way back, way back when. She convinced her brother and her lover to murder her husband, who was known as to be a, like a bad guy in town. And everyone, according to different journalists from, I wanna say this is either late 1700s or early 1800s. Uh, probably, I guess it's probably late 1700s. Everyone, everyone considered Polly to be this beautiful girl, married to this older, gross dude who sounded like, kind of like a horse thief. Uh, so she convinced these guys to, to kill him. She told him, her husband, she heard a terrible sound outside, he should go look into it, and eventually he did. And he goes outside, and either the brother or the lover shoots him, but they shoot him through the jaw. So they blow off his whole jaw, mm-hmm. and he doesn't die. So they decide to bury him alive and then he dies there in the grave um and uh oddly enough just a side side thing just all these weird coincidences with this town the the grave of that guy is on clint's grandparents property so there's a point where i'm standing <laughs> <on his grave. laughs> and uh his grandparents who are these like really nice elderly christians who do not like talking about paranormal stuff will tell you they believe that polly's dead husband's ghost possessed their goat one time and made him an evil goat hey,
1: so like Black this is just
2: in the witch exactly okay. what i thought exactly <laughs> what i thought <laughs> um, they had to sell the goat it was too wow. bad and, and when the goat was gone the goat they said it was better at the other farm but anyway uh when I, and, and uh this this girl when i first met her who everyone thought was possessed by polly she was talking about polly since day one since i met her um she even portrayed polly in a cemetery for halloween for this thing they do where they kind of like pretend that ghosts come back from the dead. Uh, so honestly, I have no idea. She's definitely into some weird dark magic type stuff. Uh, there's this whole witch community down there I came across. So yeah, she she may or may not be possessed and it would make sense because she is in a terrible abusive relationship. And the the police who have had to, uh, who I talked to, and had to unfortunately respond to some uh, domestic phone calls to her house. Uh, we're worried that perhaps another poly situation would would happen i mean that's how like crazy it is you know that she, if she is possessed as much as no one believes in it down there but they talk about it who knows what's going to happen next
0: yeah i mean if the behavior's there and they're picking up on for it sure it's like you know
2: for <laughs> sure or or if you or if you're smart i guess you, maybe you could claim defense later on like a, a insanity plea and and you <laughs> know i was possessed oh, and yeah. oh she's crazy she's crazy you know let yeah her off you know, but who knows? But yeah, uh, I don't know. She was uh, definitely, definitely something was up with her. I don't know if it was a ghost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so to tie it all together, I mean, how long did you spend in this place? I mean, we're talking if you're experiencing UFOs on the property you were on experience, you know, talking to historians, getting the story from them. Picking up a diary from someone down there, reading that and, and Mm -hmm. coming across, I guess, witches, like there's Uh a lot of things going on. So did that all take place in one trip down there? Did you make multiple (laughs) trips down there? What, how did, what did this, I guess, writing this book look like?
2: So the, uh, the historians, the first talk with the historians, that first story I just told you with meeting that girl and her saying the ghosts are too loud and the UFO, those were the first three days of my first trip. wow! <laughs> and, my, and, my, and my first trip was just those three days. Uh, I'm trying to think if anything else crazy happened. That, those are probably the crazier things. Um, as I'm leaving that town, or no, I'm sorry, it was probably the day after and I was home already, Clint hit me up and he was like, you're never gonna believe this. He kind of became like my sidekick. And he's like, you're never gonna believe this. I met a bunch of witches, there's a coven here. And I'm just like, of course there is, of right. course there is. And it wasn't just that he was like, "Oh no, it's a coven." I'm like, I'm thinking, "Oh, they have like a store. They sell hemp and some herbs or whatever." Sure. He's like, "No, no, no. They invited me to go watch them charge their crystals on a battlefield, and this is the bloodiest battlefield of the revolution at the Battle of Kettle Creek under a full moon." So I'm like, "All right, all Clint, right. <laughs> I don't know how much you're into this, but if you do want to go, because I'm not going to be there now, you know, totally, totally go." So he did go. And I have a whole interview with him about it. And then I, I got to talk to other witches who were there about that. That led me into a whole other witch culture in Georgia, which was so bizarre. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot. And then, I, so like just in terms of coincidences, this was like the strangest thing to me where everything kept uh, being a coincidence. Uh, it's, it's right after I was threatened by the boyfriend for trying to talk to that girl about witches and, and golden <laughs> ghosts and possession, all that stuff. Uh, so I feel like I, and, and the other witches I've been talking to, they just stopped talking and I felt like I was kind of intruding them. It felt weird. Cause I'm, I didn't want them to feel like I'm th- writing about, like, a, like it's like a freak show. Sure, right. But I'm absolutely them, I can I'm totally them, see that. Yeah. Right. But I think they got probably a little weirded out. I'm asking a lot of questions. They're, they're, they're making like these sigils to, maybe hurt somebody, you know, and I have like these elaborate recipes on how to like maybe harm someone. And they're they're all in the book uh, and they're interesting, but I think they just got tired of it, which is, you know, I get it. And I wanted to respectfully give them that space. So I lost the one witch, then I lost these other witches and who's one of them, their son also claimed to see aliens. And he drew pictures of the aliens, which I also have, which are really wild. So I'm kind of giving up. There's no gold yet, there's no anything. I'm at the bar, we're drinking whiskey. I'm telling the bartender about witches and UFOs. He tells me his UFO story, of course. (laughs) And then some other dude hears me talking about witches and he comes over, introduces himself. He's covered in diesel, like oil, like he's black, red to top. Just, he could have showered, but he was very proud of his job. He had been unemployed for a long time. And he's great, young kid. And so he's talking to us and then eventually he's basically, he, no, he tells me he's a witch. I'm like, are you freaking kidding? Like another witch? And he's like, this town's filled, filled with them. And I'm like, I'm asking if he knows certain other witches that i talked to. And he, so he gives me some insights into this town, more witchcraft stuff, maybe why there are, he believes in these vibrational problems in the world. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I go back to my hotel, which is that kind of popular hotel I was telling you about it's bringing business into town. And I'm staying there because there's a, a story about um, there's a trap door somewhere where if you open it, you can go down to the basement and there's an old graveyard down there. No more tombstones, but the bodies are still there. And they built it on, on top of this old graveyard where Polly was, you know, like that she was buried there originally. So I go back to my hotel. I wake up early in the morning. I go down to the main desk to see if there's anybody there because I want to ask for permission to find that trap door. I, I swear to God, I don't know how this conversation came up. Maybe I explain it in the book. I can't remember. I, it's something, I forget what the segue was, but within a minute of that conversation, she goes, oh, I'm a witch. I'm like, she's like, this whole place is run by witches, basically. Uh, so, so how like, does,
1: I, I got to stop you there. How does that yeah. jive with all of the churches? Oh, so, so, so <laughs> that's a whole other thing. so are they, are they, are these people, uh, the, the the people that are claiming that they're witches are they members of the congregation of these churches or is this is it a town divided like how does how does that work
2: are they yeah they they <laughs> this is this is something that I never knew about I guess this is a thing now that I've been talking about this I'll have witches reach out and be like oh no that's how it is yeah, right. Right. Yeah, right um they'll be like we're Catholic witch I'm a Catholic witch or I'm a Christian witch I'm a Baptist witch. Some of them are not religious but a lot of them had this like jesus-centered faith but also witchcraft and when i talk to them about it I, when i'm talking to them in the book i'm like how i'm pretty sure it says in the bible you shouldn't have worship other <laughs> right. idols they have a whole loophole on how well we just pray to one and we worship the other I'm like, all right, I don't, I still don't understand that. But so this one girl in particular, she's in mortuary school. So of course the deity she, she, uh, prays to is Anubis, right? From, from Egyptian, because he's the guy who weighed the heart after you died and led you into the afterworld. So she's all about Anubis. But so I, I'm talking to her that morning. I'm literally, I'm, I've opened the trap door because it's right there by the front desk, I'm stepping into this damp, graveyard underneath the hotel as she's telling me she's a witch so most of the conversation takes place with me like half in the cemetery half out this is pouring outside yeah <laughs> i i'm thinking like they're gonna cook me this is i, mean, I would <laughs> hope someone could write it before you know they actually cook me but uh but yeah like as she's talking another woman comes running in she's a witch she considered herself an appalachian witch hmm. uh there's there's I, I think i'm talking to three witches in that scene you know at the end of that conversation <laughs> uh for sure and they talk about Polly. they talk about being possessed uh they talk about the town and i think a lot of those witches probably practice in secret the witch side of things but they, there's definitely uh their close family members at least these ones that i've spoke with their grandparents or parents might know and they think it's terrible but they try to help them but they're also kind of accepting of it and hmm. uh the one the one which she talked about having to be uh it wasn't an exorcism she had a different word for it there's a special thing that her grandma had to do for her when she believed she was possessed by a demon that she brought into this earth uh by by some spell she had found when she was a young girl with her other friend so yeah i I, that was the the three nights i spent in a hotel uh, run by witches so it was was fantastic
0: with these witches will I'm trying to like put something together that I have in my head. Did a lot of them have like Irish li- names?
2: Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, it's a big Irish town. It is sure. like, so Savannah is, yep.
0: and it's older Irish. It's not like how like, oh, yeah. New York, Boston, Philadelphia, like that's all, <laughs> you know, 1840s. Uh, ah, so, so like that part of Georgia is old. I never knew that. Very old time Irish immigrants yep. going there for work. Um, yep. So like, and that's a common thing, you know, it comes from like, you know, Celtic, Druid, like all those traditions where witchcraft comes in. So that's probably been there.
2: They've just been doing the double thing for hundreds of years. I totally think that. Like, I totally that's, think that. that's so cool. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, it, it was ancient. A lot of the things I was talking about with these people, you could literally trace back, you know, whether it was yeah. things I could hold literally or things I could literally read uh, or these, these rituals that they still do some of them really do seem ancient you know yeah it was crazy yeah (laughs)
0: that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i'm glad you didn't get sacrificed man i mean it really it really sounded like we're building up to a wicker man type event
2: (laughs) (laughs) i know it felt it felt like that that, it seems like like
1: that that you're right it's like you were just throughout this conversation it's like man you were like the subject of this town for however many days just like
2: (laughs) Like, yeah, like oh yeah so oh, did you see shane He's just- <laughs> yeah no for sure it was it was definitely alarming and go back to your other answer i i was going down there from that october 21 to march 22 multiple wow. trips maybe four or five trips every time would be like three to four to five days so it was it was like a substantial amount of time and when i'm there i'm like working constantly like we're out late at night meeting these young kids who have their own issues like drug drug culture you know yeah. with face tattoos and they just hate their lives and they're nihilistic you know i'm meeting with early morning with the grandparents after the bake sale at the church you know (laughs) i'm with the mayor i'm with the the cops at their party getting margaritas so i'm definitely like a part of town and after a while like yeah i did know i feel like i know almost everybody uh for good or better or for worse you know some of them definitely were tired of me uh and i and again like the witches i get it because it's it's a very it's, it's it's intrusive to want to ask people all these questions because after I realized it wasn't just gonna be an article after the UFO thing after the girl with the yelling and the ghost too loud thing uh all the other ghost stories I was like okay I have a book and it's really like about these people kind of l- surviving you know their family surviving a bunch of horrors throughout their entire life I mean this town is just a horror story and that's when I you know, fairly early on I realized this is kind of like nonfiction horror because everyone down there has some type of horror story I mean just think of just one town in particular but it's the Creek and Cherokee used to massacre each other on this land then the revolution happened there and it was what they say is one of the bloodiest battles of the American Revolution uh slavery civil war although Sherman's March to the sea didn't happen in that town there are places on the outskirts of town that people claim they're a part of the March but it probably was people taking advantage of the march and like marauding, which happened down there. So like, oh yeah, yeah, it was totally Sherman. Yeah. yeah, let's go let's go get that guy's stuff. So there's <laughs> that, and then the boll weevil happened, which just decimated that town, killed all the cotton crops, and the cotton was everything in that town. And then it's just a, a slew of fires. You know, looking, there was this great journalist I found who who her her book is in the library there. It's a really beautiful library. I believe her name was Elizabeth Bowen. She was from like the early eighteen hundreds, and she was incredible. The way she documented things, but she also would talk about ghost stories in, in an objective way. So it'd be like so and so saw this, or so and so had a premonition, you know. But she also she was also an astronomer and had great ideas about space. Um, I think she was ahead of her time really like a gem and i'm so glad i found her she kind of became a mental sidekick i'd go i'd I'd come across something in in history and be like oh what would elizabeth have said and go through her entire like her glossary and find anything And a lot of the times she had something to say so there was the weevil fires and then um you know oh what was the next big thing well the, the depression uh and then uh you know all of, all the wars after that the 60s so the town never really had a break sure everyone in this town most of those men from the revolution up until world war ii vietnam the men were going to war that's that was pretty much their job uh so a lot of men are not coming home right there's a town nearby that we went to because another guy claimed there was a demon in the church <laughs> and that's another crazy story that town became a literal ghost town because most of the men in that town never came back from the civil war so they just left some of them who had money were able to take their houses apart and move the house to another town uh it's it's a spooky little town so yeah that town i realized there's a there's a story here beyond the gold which is super interesting beyond the ghost stories it's like these people have kind of been up against their own crazy horrors forever and you know their descendants from wh- whatever line they come from, whether it was the Creek or Cherokee Indians, the the colonials, uh, black families, um, all these people were had these different type of things they were still worrying about. Uh, so that's when it all just kind of clicked. Like this is a book of kind of horror, like real horror, you yeah. know, kind yeah. of existential horror. Uh, you know, and I don't know. Obviously, I'm I'm pretty skeptical with a lot of the ghost stories and UFO stuff. I want to believe. Sure. I saw some weird things for sure. I cannot describe. I cannot. I can describe them. Can't explain them. <laughs> uh, but something's going on in that town. That's where like my my kind of takeaway was. Mm-hmm. These types of horror horrific places that experience so many horrors does that invite in a type of paranormal activity? Or does it do something to the psyche of the people in that area where they uh, are either kind of I don't, hallucinating might be a bad word, but are they just prone to seeing certain things or does it open up something in them where like they are now able to see something that yeah. the rest of us I don't, can't see?
1: But I guess to kind of bring this to a close, I mean, you can hear all about this tales from the inverted world, ghosts of the civil war, but to kind of piggyback on what you were just saying. It's just like that place in you currently reside in West Virginia, right? Yeah. What was the place uh, where the bridge, the bridge went down, like where they saw the Mothman? The Mothman. Like, yeah, yeah. it's that's close. Yeah. I forget the name of the town, but it's the same exact. Like like that kind of, I guess, horror that they that Mm -hmm. that town has experienced. And that's what um, one of our um, guests, uh, I think, from the last year with it was a Timothy. one one of the guests was really into uh the mothman story and i think that's what it was it's just a lot of pain a lot of heartbreak and then it all kind of culminated with this bridge tragedy you know
2: yep yeah, that's exactly how i feel you know no one down there can explain it and no one down there really thinks about it and like the way i described some of the younger ones do because they're really like analytical and they're you know that's maybe why some of them I've become witches or some of them have no religion or some of them have more religion. They're all kind of, you know, the younger ones i talk talked to are trying to make sense of it. The older ones are definitely reluctant to talk about anything like the paranormal stuff. But yeah, I, I don't, they're all just kind of trying to figure it out. They, everyone though, agrees that there's something wrong with the land. Yeah. <laughs> they, they'll, they'll say something is wrong with this place uh, and they just can't put their finger on it. But even the older people, like when they told me that their goat was possessed, I was kind of <laughs> shocked that they would talk like that. Because, you know, they they weren't into talking about anything else. But for that, they're like, oh, yeah, that was definite. That goat was evil.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, there's got to be something. When you said there's something in the land, because what I was thinking of, like, you know, there's a lot of pain, like a lot of that kind of energy there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was talking to the guy who does the tours at the Stanley Hotel out in Estes Park, Colorado, you know, out there, he's like, why this place? I mean, that's not like an evil haunting out there, even though it's the site for many, like, inspiration for Mm -hmm. evil hauntings. But yep. his his thing, he's just like, there's just so much. And en- he's like, his thing was believing that the energy is trapped in the ground and it's all quartz. And he's like, and that yep. quartz just uh, really reflects that energy stronger than maybe some other so, spots. So, like, what's the bedrock that he there? talk
2: about? Did he talk about stone tape theory? We didn't get that deep into it. But now, if, if <laughs> you, you know, know about that, Do you know, about let, that teach me. Uh, <laughs> so in the, in the first inverted world book, I like I investigated my own like ghost story from my childhood in the house i grew up in a very very old house there's a murder that happened there a young boy was killed by his brother by accident and i started getting into that idea of can uh that kind of horrific energy be trapped into the stones or into a land really yeah which is what i would develop that idea you know in the next book in this one but so i started thinking about stone tape theory where people do believe that energy especially horrific energy like of a death can be absorbed into they say quartz mostly uh into these things and you know obviously you can't prove that but uh i think there's something to there to that there's something to that you know my old house i grew up in was from the 1700s something is wrong with that house there's a lot of people who died in that house i experienced strange things growing up there shadows we can't explain shadows that made me feel like i was experiencing death at a very young age Uh, my sisters saw weird stuff. We'd always hear strange things, nothing overt. Like there's no poltergeist popping out of the the walls, but there was just something off about that whole situation. And we were thinking that before we even knew the story about the boy being killed in our house, you know? And I would, I would end up finding out that I, his bedroom was my bedroom, Mm -hmm. you know? And once we found out about his name was Jimmy, once we found about Jimmy, he just kind of became a part of our family, you know? And he would have dinner with us and, when my parents move away from the house, they're they're going to invite him to come with, and uh, he's kind of like a brother to me. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, when I was doing that, I came across the whole stone tape thing. I think it could make sense. I think you know, it's kind kind of hard for me not to think about that after experiencing this town in Georgia, because yeah. something it doesn't have to be quartz in my mind. I think just land in general absorbs energy like anything else. <sighs> and when so many horrific things can happen, and especially in one hyper specific place. It's hard for me to think that it just disappears. Even if that's not exactly the case, where land absorbs it, people knowing all the horrors just bring that energy there, and there's like a horror tourism happening in that regard. Yeah. So you know, something whether it's from the people bringing it and or the land emitting it, there's something there. Yeah, there's gotta be. <laughs> there's gotta be. Definitely.
0: Yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Do you have any more right. questions? Well, are we up, are we up on time there, Ed? A little bit. Oh man! I mean, Shane. I mean, I could bend your ear for hours, but <laughs> I'm good. Like I, I was a little upset I didn't get to read the book before we had you on, but I did pop it on my Kindle. Got yes. it right on Amazon. Very, I'm awesome. looking forward to it. I'll do this one and the first one. Um, Thank you. Yeah,
2: man. I appreciate that.
0: So cool, I and mean, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Eddie. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, no,
1: Tales from the Inverted World is the book Ghosts of the Civil War, specifically the most recent book. And uh, yeah, we, uh, Shane, where can people find you?
2: Yeah, so I'm at Shane Cashman at all the places online. Cool. And yeah, the, the new book is at ghost of the civil Check it out.
0: All right. Totally. This has been episode number 91 of the Red River Horror Podcast. And remember to keep traveling those channels of fear.